Would you just take a moment this morning and stretch your hands toward heaven and just tell him truly how great he is today. Father, you are great and you are greatly to be praised. We honor you today, your spirit, your power, your presence, the anointing, Father, that you have placed in this room today. Lord, we do not take it lightly. We do not take it for granted that you would grace us with your presence. And Father, we're thankful, Lord, for this opportunity to be in your house to worship you today. And truly, you are great, and you deserve the highest praise that we can give. We honor you today. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more time, would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? I stand before you this morning with a word that the Lord has placed in my spirit this week as I was sitting in a camp meeting service. The Lord first began just by giving me a title. And then I didn't know where we were going with this, and I'll just tell you it wasn't something that was preached at camp meeting. Um, some people think pastors go to camp meeting to get some new sermons. I won't tell you that I may not preach something I heard, but this has not got anything to do with that. But as I was sitting in one of the services, I think it was possibly Tuesday evening, I just heard the Lord speaking to my spirit these four words. Don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. You may be seated this morning. This is going to be a little bit different, but it's okay. As I was sitting late into the wee hours of the morning this morning, about 2 a.m., putting the finishing touches on some things the Lord was given to me for this morning, when I thought I was done, I sit back and I just said, Lord, I just don't feel like the content that I have is adequate. I just... I mean, I've written enough sermons over almost, well, 31 years of ministry. I've written enough sermons to know when the content's where I feel like it needs to be and when it's not. And this was a situation where I just felt like it wasn't where maybe I wanted it to be. And I just had to determine within myself that God's going to take care of the rest. And I'll just tell you this morning... That I had somebody say something to me in the foyer that just solidified that I'm right where I need to be with him today. And that the Lord has given me a word for our church. I want to talk to you this morning and I'm going to hold off on reading my text for a few moments. I've got about a three minute video that I'm going to play. I want you to listen to the video and see it here in just a moment. But I think that graphic is on the screen. And there's two words in this graphic that I want you to draw your attention to. Uh, and I'm thankful for a, for a great youth pastor that can create a graphic for the pastor when he needs one. Amen? Amen. That's right. I mean, I can do it, but it saves me time because he'll probably do it in three minutes where it would take me 33 minutes anyway. Look at the word miss. It's circled. If I was to ask you what the word miss means, you would probably give me a definition. Most of us in this room knows what it means, but I want to bring it to the front of our attention this morning. The word miss means to fail to obtain. Fail to get, to reach, or fail to do something. Perhaps fail to comprehend sense or experience something. No doubt the word miss means that you have lost an opportunity. Amen? The word moment, by definition, means at the present time or a brief period of time or a specific point in time. So what does all of this mean? 
When we look at the word moment, we see that it is a very small window of time. Would you agree? It could be the present or a brief period or a specific point in time. So a moment is designated as a time when you need to, as a cliche would say, strike while the iron is hot. And if you miss that moment, you have missed an opportunity. You have perhaps failed to obtain something, failed to get something, failed to reach something, or perhaps even failed to do something. Perhaps you failed to comprehend, sense, or experience a moment. So let me ask you this question. Or let me make this statement before I ask you this question. You never realize that you've missed the moment until it's gone. You will never be in the moment and say, Boy, I missed it. Because if you're in the moment, you're still able to reach out and grasp it, take hold of it, seize it, secure it, obtain it, embrace it, if you're in the moment. You'll never realize you missed it until it's gone. So what that means is, when you've missed a moment, you have to look back in time and say, that's the place I missed it. As you can see, a moment can be missed quickly. And if it's missed, it cannot be recovered. Think about what I just said. If you've missed a moment, it cannot be recovered. While a similar opportunity may present itself, it will never be exactly the same. I had a previous overseer one time that made this statement, and it rings true for this gathering today. He says, we will never be assembled exactly like this again. I have found this to be true. Someone may be absent, others may be present, or the atmosphere may not be set as it is at the present moment. Don't miss your moment. We will never be assembled together just like we are right now. That's why it's important when we come into God's house and the Lord has something for us, we don't miss the moment to obtain it. This service began at 10.50. Your opportunity to worship for that 30 minutes or so has now passed. Think about what I just said. You will not have an opportunity to change your worship that you just experienced. When I was looking at this and thinking about this, I thought, did I worship my best in that moment? Did I give God my best in that moment? Did I do everything that I could have done in that moment? Or did I miss my moment? Oh yes, next week we will assemble together. We will start at 1050. But the setting will be different. The atmosphere will be different. Some of you that are here today may not be here next week. Some that are not here today may be here next week. We will never be assembled together again just like we are at the present moment. This is why it's imperative to always offer our best worship all the time, every time, because we simply cannot change it once it's gone. You may have an opportunity to do it again, but it'll still be different. Having said that, before we get all the way into the message this morning, as you know, there's been a huge softball tournament in town for the last several days. And on Thursday, the ladies of Oklahoma University won their third straight national championship. I thought you'd be more excited about it than that. But as I was preparing for this message, I came across something that fit perfectly with my message. You say, why are you bringing sports in 
listen, you just got to forgive me. I'm just an avid sports fan. And if we can get things in, in, in everyday life that is conducive to what we're trying to do in the spiritual realm, then we can learn something from it. But I came across a video of the post-game interview. It's about three minutes of a clip. And I want to play it for you because it perfectly fits my message. Now understand, the Lord spoke this word to me on Tuesday night. This post-game interview happened Thursday night. Would you roll that clip? ESPN, for, for the players, I know you talked about keeping the joy of the game, but I'm curious. It's a long season, right? And you guys have had the target on your back the entire time, the win streak being number one. How do you handle the unique pressure that comes with that? How do you keep the joy for so long when anxiety seems like a thing that could very easily set in? Well, the only way that you can have a joy that doesn't fade away is from the Lord. And any other type of joy is actually happiness that comes from circumstances and outcomes. Um, I think Coach has said this before, but joy from the Lord is really the only thing that can keep you motivated, um, uh, just in a good mindset, uh, no matter the outcomes. Thankfully, we've had a lot of success this year, but if it was the other way around, uh, joy from the Lord is the only thing that can keep you embracing those memories, moments, friendships, and all of that. So uh, I would, that's really the only, the only answer to that because there's no other way that softball can bring you that um, because of how much failure comes in it and just how much of a roller coaster the game can be. 1,000% agree with Grace Lyons. Um, I went through that my freshman year. I I was so happy to win the college. I've talked about this before, but I was just so happy that we won the College World Series, but I didn't feel joy. I didn't have, I didn't know what to do the next day. I didn't know what to do for that following week. I didn't feel filled, and I had to find Christ in that. And I think that is what makes our team so strong is that we're not afraid to lose because if it's not the end of the world if we do lose. Yes, obviously we've worked our butts off to be here and we want to win, but it's not the end of the world because our life is in Christ and that's all that matters. Yeah, um, I think a huge thing that we've really just latched onto is eyes up. And you guys see us doing this and pointing up, but we're really like fixing our eyes on Christ. And that's something where like they were saying, you can't find a fulfillment in an outcome, whether it's good or bad. And um, I think that's why we're so steady in what we do and, and our love for each other and our love for the game, because we know this game is giving us the opportunity to glorify God. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think once we figured that out and that was our purpose and everyone was all in with that, um, it's really changed so much for us. And I mean, I know myself, I, I've seen so much of a growth in myself with um, once I turned to Jesus and I realized how he had changed my outlook on life, not just softball, but understanding how much I have to live for, and that's living to exemplify the kingdom. And I think that brings so much freedom. And I'm sure everyone's story is similar, but we all have those great testimonies that have really like shown how awesome it is to play for something bigger. Um, and I think that's just what brings me so much joy. And no matter the outcome, whether we get a trophy in the end or not, we're, this isn't our home, and I think that's what's amazing about it is we have so much more. We have an eternity of joy with our Father, and I'm so excited about that. And, yes, I live in the moment, but I know this isn't my home, and um, no matter what, my sisters in Christ will be there with me in the end um, when we're with our, our King. So. Three young ladies didn't miss the moment. They seized the moment. They seized an opportunity to talk about Jesus. On a national platform, if you didn't hear the reporter at the very beginning, he was an ESPN reporter. This goes out all over the world. They did not miss their moment to glorify God, to give Him credit, and to magnify Him in that situation. They had a choice. They could have talked about their personal experiences along this journey. They could have talked about their personal feats and accomplishments, but instead, for three minutes in time, they pointed the entire world to Jesus Christ. They did not miss their moment. I 
I'm standing before you today with a heaviness because I'm afraid too many times we in the church miss our moment. We fail to seize our moment. We sit back and watch videos like this. We hear sports cast our players, athletes, give these interviews, give honor to God and thank Jesus Christ for their accomplishments and we share it all over social media. We think it's the greatest and grandest thing but we in the church miss our moment. And we are to be the one who is shouting it from the rooftops. This should not be a special occasion, but it should be the norm. Here's where I think we are. Let me just quantify this by saying I ain't mad at nobody this morning but the devil. But I'm afraid in the church we have hit maintenance mode. Where it's all about maintaining ourselves that we can't motivate anybody else. We're more about maintenance than we are mission. We're more about what is helping us versus what can I do to help somebody else. Don't miss the moment. Now this goes two ways. You can miss your moment when you're in need of a miracle, when God has a miracle for you, but you can also miss your moment to tell somebody about Him. I'm ready to read my text. I'm going to read the whole story. I'm going back to one verse, and I'm going to preach from one verse. A very familiar passage. Mark 10, beginning in verse 46. Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and, called and said, call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began to follow him on the road. I can preach a lot of messages from this passage of Scripture, but I want to go back to verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So let me ask you these questions today. And I don't plan to be long. But I didn't preach the last two Sundays, so I do reserve that time if I need it. The first thing I want us to ask is, what did Bartimaeus hear? Obviously, he heard that Jesus was on his way by. Right? Isn't that what it said? When he heard that it was Jesus, the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. So obviously he heard that it was Jesus on his way by. But I want to tell you something. There is something that he heard that's not written here. Now I'm not adding to the scripture. I'll show you in just a minute what I'm talking about. It appears to me that he heard something else. At some point he had to have heard about the miracles Jesus had performed. Somebody must have been talking about this Jesus, the Nazarene. And as a result, Bartimaeus had heard about the miracle-working power of Jesus. How do you know that, preacher? Well, he was blind, right? Do we agree that he was blind? I mean, that's what your Bible said. Can I just tell you that Bartimaeus has never seen Jesus do a miracle? 
He's never witnessed him open the eyes of a blind man. He's never witnessed him unstopping deaf ears. He's never witnessed him raising up somebody from the dead. He's never witnessed him turning water into wine. He's never witnessed any miracle that Jesus has performed. But he must have heard something about this Jesus. Why do you know that, preacher? Because if he had never heard about Jesus being able to do miracles, then he would have never been so adamant about crying out to him when he heard that Jesus was coming by. He had some knowledge because somebody had been talking about Jesus. The very fact that he had heard about miracles that Jesus had performed is what prompts him to begin crying out for mercy. This brings me to another question to ask. What are we telling? What are we telling? Now you just bear with me for a moment here. We are people who talk about a lot of things most of which we are passionate about. I heard this this week and I like it, so I'm going to say it right here. I'm going to chase a rabbit till I kill him. And when I kill him, I'll get back on the, my point over here. We are people who like to talk about a lot of things. There seems to be a lot of talk and discussion about politics, abortion, stance on the LGBTQA+. Community, these are all hot-button topics. Hello. You're way too quiet for me this morning. And while I'm all for taking a stand in what we believe, I'm afraid that we are more passionate and concerned with our stance on politics, abortion, LGBTQ+, than we are passionate or concerned with sharing Jesus Christ with others. Let's be consumed with the spreading of the good news about Jesus and let Him sort out everything else. Our responsibility is to tell it and let the Holy Spirit draw them and convince them. We are, more, we are more quick to tell what we are against than what we are for. I'm going to talk about this. You ask somebody what they believe about the Scripture or what their denomination believes. You know what the first thing is? Well, we don't believe this and we don't believe that and we don't believe... So do we truly know what we believe? That's a question for another day. The bottom line is this. We are not all called to pulpit ministry. We are not all called to music ministry. We are not all called to youth ministry. We are not all called to children's ministry. However, we are all, every one of us, called to personal evangelism by telling somebody else about Jesus Christ. I'm just going to give you a news flash. If you thought I was coming here to grow this church, you're dead wrong. It's not the role of a pastor to grow the church. Brother, you going to help me? I feel like I'm digging a hole. We think we bring in some slick pastor, slick preacher with all these ideas and all these this and that and the other and he's going to come in here and it's just going to explode at the seams and we're just going to grow by leaps and bounds. That's not the role of a pastor. What Jesus told Peter on three occasions was feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. I've just come by to tell you if you want to see the church grow then we got to get out of the highways and the byways and start telling somebody about Jesus. want to see the church grow? Go win somebody to Jesus. I have a responsibility of personal evangelism just like we all do. But if we want to see the church grow we got to get out there and tell somebody about Jesus. Nobody's been anointed to sit on their blessed assurance. Hello? 
I can't say this anymore because we don't have churches with pews very many, very much. But you know why they call them pews? Because we sat so long till we started stinking. Listen, you're laughing, but the reality of it is, I'm just telling you, I've been in this long enough. I've had people tell me, man, we're going to get this new pastor in here, and he's just going to really come in here with these fresh ideas, and he's fresh this, and he's fresh that, and he's going to grow the church. Let me tell you something. There ain't nothing new under the sun. There ain't no fresh idea God's given. It's right here. If the Son of Man be lifted up, he said, I'll draw all men unto me. Now, I could give you a... I don't need to go there. I could give you a lesson in agriculture... That sheep begat sheep, and I'll leave it at that. Hello? But are we telling somebody about Jesus as much as we're complaining about everything else? You say, Pastor, that's tough. That's harsh. That's not tough. It's not harsh. Listen, we have gotten too comfortable. We are living in 2023. We are closer now to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ than we ever have been. And the number of people being saved in today's world and today's church is less now than it ever has been in the past. Because there is a lack of personal evangelism. There is a lack of telling somebody about Jesus. We have been consumed with, i got to get me to heaven and I can only be worried about me and mine. I've never seen that in the Word of God. So let me ask you this. Are we telling somebody about Jesus? Or are we missing our moments? If we fail to tell others about him, does it cause them to miss their miracle? Or at least be delayed in receiving their miracle? Let me read this story to you. Look at verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out, and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Watch this. Had he never heard. Now remember, he didn't see a miracle performed. He wasn't standing off in the distance watching Jesus making the dumb man speak. He wasn't standing off in the distance when Jesus performed miracles. He couldn't see. He was blind. And if nobody had been talking about the miracles that Jesus had performed, he would not have known to cry out to Jesus. Which begs the question, when we miss our moment, does it cause somebody to miss their miracle? Wow. Did somebody miss their miracle today because I missed my moment? I am 100% convinced this morning that if you are a blood-bought, saved child of the Most High God, then there are strategic moments in your life every day to talk to somebody about Jesus. Help me, Holy Ghost. You know why we don't do it? Because we pre-qualify people. We pre-qualify whether they can be saved or not. I've heard people in the church say things like this. Well, you know so-and-so, they're just so far gone. From what? So far gone that God can't reach them? Then I don't need to serve the God you're talking about. I don't need to serve that God. I need to serve a God that's able to go into the drug house and pull somebody out of it. I need to serve the God that's able to go into the bar room and snatch somebody off of the bar stool while they may be drunk and still sober them up and save their soul. I need to serve the God that's able to cause the man or the woman in a same-sex relationship to be pulled out and redeemed and washed by the blood of a crucified lamb. That's the God I want to serve. I don't need to pre-qualify people. I don't need to pre-qualify. Well, they'll never get it. If no one had been talking about Jesus, Bartimaeus would not have known what Jesus could do. Hmm. Are the things we saying or telling about Jesus causing others to want to cry out to Him? Or does it cause them to want to uh, shun Him and stay away from Him? 
Listen, I get it. I know life's tough. Life is difficult. But if every word out of our mouth is negative, 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 I don't want your religion. And I don't want the relationship with whatever you got a relationship with. Hello, somebody. There's some days we just got to open our mouth and start prophesying. It may have been bad, but no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against me in judgment thou shalt condemn. It's my heritage as a servant of the Lord. I've had people talking about me and against me. Okay. Why should I fear what man can do to me if I've got the Lord on my side? I just paraphrased that verse. Hello, somebody. And I know that all good works together for them who love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. Hello, somebody. Do you hear what I'm saying? They that wait upon the Lord. Nothing's happening right now. That's fine. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Just start prophesying. You want to have a pity party, do it behind closed doors when it's just you and God. But when we get into the highways and the byways, we can't afford to have a pity party. Too many folk are lost, dying, and going to hell. They need to see you've got a hope. They need to see that you've got an anchor in Christ Jesus. My Lord God. They need to hear you talking about him. Let me tell you how he picked me up. I was on my way to hell. I had no hope in sight, but I stumbled into a church. I don't know what your story is. I heard a preacher preach about Jesus. I got up and walked down to that altar. I knelt down and gave my life to him. It may not be a bed of roses every day, but I'm thankful that I've got one who walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. It may not always be a good day, but I've got one that said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you all the way to the end of the earth. It may not always be a bed of roses and sunshine, but I'm grateful that he holds me in the palm of his hand. Somebody in the world needs to hear you talk about Jesus. Is what we're saying pushing people to the cross or dragging them away from it? Listen, there have been times in my life that I have had to distance myself from people because they wasn't helping me. They were not being productive in my life. I had to distance myself. They were dragging me, not pushing me. Hello, somebody. It has been proven time and time again that word of mouth is the best form of advertisement. If you go ask any business guru out there, they'll still tell you that today, in all of the age of technology, with all the advancements of technology and the Internet and all of the video boards and all the things that we can do and push out, they will still tell you that the very best form of advertising is word of mouth. And it is our responsibility to be telling somebody about Jesus. Why do we want to keep others from experiencing what we already know to be true? How many have missed out on their miracle because we missed our moment? Tell it. Tell it. We are instructed to go and tell. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore make disciples of all the nations Baptizing them in the name of the Father And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you And lo I am with you always Even to the end of the age I wasn't going to bring this out today I thought about it and I said No I'm not going to bring it out I'm going to wait till later to do it But I'm going to bring it out anyway We have so gotten things mixed up In the Pentecostal church we think the power of the Holy Spirit is to make us speak in tongues and shikimoshai and huck and buck and jump and dance around and fall out. There's nothing wrong with that. I like all that. I'm Pentecostal through and through. But if you'll read your Bible, you'll find out what it was truly given for. 
Anybody want to know? Thank you. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Spirit, Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then he gives you a directive. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the remotest or uttermost parts of the earth. So the power of the Holy Spirit was given so we could be a witness. The word witness means open your mouth and tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. We have the greatest story ever told to tell. Don't let the enemy shut you up. Don't miss your opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. Point two, I'm almost done. Short message today. Somebody told it. Because somebody told something about Jesus to Bartimaeus, something happened. Look at what happened. When he heard, immediately when he heard, he began to do something. What did he begin to do? Cry out to Jesus. We are not told if the person who was talking about Jesus is in the presence of Bartimaeus. We don't know if he was present at that moment. But one thing is in Scripture is clear is that somebody told him about the miracle working power of Jesus and because he heard that Jesus the Nazarene was coming by his way, he immediately began to cry out. Don't be discouraged. People have said, well, I tell people about Jesus, but they just reject me. And you know what happens when we get rejected? Let me just tell you what a natural response of rejection is. If you study psychology, you'll understand that, that, that a natural response to rejection is to clam up. You don't want to say anything. You don't want to do anything. You don't want to put yourself out there because of a fear of rejection. Does anybody here know that I'm telling you the truth today? And what happens is, is when we tell somebody about Jesus and they don't fall on their face and, and blubber and cry and say, I repent of my sins and we see them immediately get saved, we feel like we've been rejected and we don't tell nobody else. Can I just tell you that every seed we put in the ground didn't always yield a harvest? But it didn't stop us from planting seed. Let me just tell you the greatest thing in the world. I'm just going to give you some great theology right here. The greatest thing in the world is it's not my responsibility or your responsibility to save anybody. The only thing we've been told to do is tell them. Let him do the rest. You don't know. If you, will, if you will not miss your moment, maybe you are the second or third person in the same day that told them, and maybe the Lord is just sitting them, letting them see, hey, you heard from this one, and you heard from this one, and you heard from this one, and I'm wearing you down. Well, you think that's possible? Out of the mouth of two to three witnesses may his word be established. Isn't that what the scripture says? Tell somebody about Jesus. Bartimaeus had to hear it in order to know when the man walked by, I need to cry out. Why did he cry out? Because he heard that Jesus had something he needed. Now Jesus wasn't walking around with a pair of glasses in his robe that was going to help him to see better. He wasn't walking around with a brand new pair of contacts, Brother Mike, that was going to help him to have some vision. But what he was walking around with was some power in his hand. You see, too many times we want to point them to everybody else instead of pointing them to Jesus. I had somebody come to me in a church we pastored, and they said, man, I was talking to so-and-so the other day, and I told him, man, you've got to come hear our new pastor preach. I said, you're wrong. I said, you're trying to point people to me. You need to be pointing them to Jesus. Well, we just love you. I'm glad you love me. Love me. That's fine. Love me. But don't point people to me because I'm not him. Point people to Jesus. He's the one that people need to see. Let me ask you this question. I'm almost done. Our failure to tell somebody about Jesus is, leave, is perhaps leaving them in darkness for another day. What if the person was you? Would you want them to miss their moment and leave you in darkness for another day without a miracle? 
I implore you this day, don't miss your moment. The growth of the local church and the kingdom depends on us telling the story and talking about Jesus. I'm going to read you just a short passage of Scripture. After the Holy Ghost was dispatched on the day of Pentecost, they came out of the upper room. And you remember old Peter. Peter preached the first Pentecostal sermon in Acts chapter 2 beginning in verse 14. It goes down all the way through verse 41. I'm not going to read all of those verses of Scripture. But I would encourage you to go read Acts 2, 14 through 41 this afternoon. This is the, the text. It is the, the word-for-word summation of, 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 of Peter's message on the day of Pentecost. But I do want to read to you what the, the latter part of that, that passage says. So then those who received his word were baptized, and that day there were about 3,000 souls added. They were, verse 37 says, they were pierced to their heart. King James says they were pricked in their heart when they heard him preach. What are you saying? Tell somebody about Jesus. I got to get out of here. Peter told somebody. He told about 3,000 somebodies. And souls were added to the kingdom. Preaching in a pulpit ministry like this has its place, but it never replaces personal evangelism. It is never a substitute for us going into the highways and the byways and compelling the lost to come in. We must stop making excuses and let's be about the Father's business. Time is winding down and we need our focus to be on telling somebody about Jesus. If we will tell someone and plant the seed, God will do His part. Stand with me all over this house. I know this is a weird passage of Scripture for me to preach from, trying to talk about personal evangelism. I could preach a lot of things out of this passage of Scripture. But I'm just simply telling you today that there are lost people that we are walking by daily. And we cannot afford to miss the moment. I preached a message several years ago. And after I was working on this message, I thought, you know what? I need to go dust that message off and rework it. And I need to preach it because it goes great in line with what I just preached today. I preached a message titled, Toss Me a Lifesaver. And I brought to church that day a bag of individually wrapped lifesavers. Just one in the package. And in the altar service, I gave every person that day a lifesaver. I said, put this in your pocket, men. Ladies, put it in your purse. Carry it with you everywhere you go. Why? Because, brother, you'll never look at that lifesaver without remembering that message. And it was a challenge. It was a challenge of personal evangelism. This is what I told them. I said, you have one responsibility, and that's to lead somebody to the Lord. Whether that's you inviting them to church and they come and give their life to the Lord, or whether that's you personally leading them to the Lord. I'll never forget it. We ended that service. We came back the next week and I had a lady walk up to me, Brother Mike, and she said, Pastor, can I testify today? And I'm real hesitant about that. I really need to be moved on by the Spirit to have a testimony service because it becomes more of a grumbling, griping, and complaining session than anything else. But I could tell there's some sincerity in her heart. And so as I opened the service... I called on her and I said, Sister, you asked me if you could testify today and I want to allow you to do that right now. That lady stood up. She was about five rows back. With both hands, she was clenching the pew that she was standing behind. And with alligator tears streaming down her face, she looked at me and she said, Pastor, I got to eat my lifesaver this week. 
She said, I had the opportunity to lead my granddaughter to the Lord who lives in California. She lived in Louisiana. Because that was the other thing. You can eat your lifesaver when you've won somebody to the Lord. And she said, I got to eat my lifesaver today. This woman was crying a bucket of tears because she got to eat a lifesaver. No. She won somebody to Jesus. I'm going to tell you right here and now. When I get to heaven, I don't know how all the awards or rewards and all that's going to be divvied out. I don't know. It's, that's up to God. I've been in a lot of award ceremonies. But I'm going to tell you right now. I don't ever want the Lord to call me up and say, the award for the greatest sermon ever preached goes to Nathan Bounds. I don't ever want to hear the, the award for the most creativity or whatever, the, the snazziest title or the best Nathanism. I don't want that to be my reward in heaven. The greatest reward you could ever receive in heaven. I don't even know if this is theologically sound or theologically correct. But I would just hope it is. Is that somebody would walk up to me and say. Because you told me about Jesus. I'm here today. Because I was on my way to hell. We had a missions representative here last Sunday. We received a missions offering. Most of us are not called to be missionaries. That's why we take money and we send it to the mission field. We help fund those who have that calling to tell somebody about Jesus. It's absolutely one of the greatest things we could ever do. The heartbeat of God is for those of us who have the means to send those who have the calling. But I'm standing before you to tell you today that recent studies have shown that the United States of America is the third largest mission field in the world. Good old USA, baby. The third largest mission field in the world. So I absolutely applaud three 20-something-year-old young ladies. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm an avid LSU fan. But I became a quick OU fan because if somebody has got a boldness to get on a national platform and exalt the name of Jesus Christ for the whole world to hear. When they were interviewed about a national championship, shame on us in the church who walk around like we've been sucking on a persimmon and won't open our mouth and tell somebody about Jesus. You say, Pastor, you're mad. I ain't mad at nobody but the devil. But for far too long, the church has been silent. Listen, I don't have a problem standing against any of the hot-button issues. Take your stance. Stand your ground. But while you're doing it, do it to lead others to Jesus. Point them to a bloody cross. And I'm going to tell you something else. I've had people tell me, Pastor, we need a class on, on how to witness. No, we don't. That's a bunch of baloney. We don't need a class on how to witness. Put my glasses on so I can see if anybody's frowning at me. Let me tell you, you don't need to be taught how to witness. You don't have a problem talking about anything else you're, you're, you're passionate about. Some of us just need to get our passion back. Hello. The greatest thing you can ever do is tell somebody your story. Tell somebody your story about how the Lord reached down and picked you up. I don't know what all of your stories are. Some of you was addicted to drugs. Some of you were addicted to alcohol. The Lord reached down and picked you up and set your feet on a firm foundation. Just open your mouth and tell them that the same God that delivered you and sobered you up is the same God. I promise you this. If we'll tell somebody about Jesus, 
He'll draw them. He'll draw them. I said, He'll draw them. And when He draws them, they'll cry out to Him. Can I just tell you, you know the story. I don't have to really tell you this. But on that day, the Bible said the blind Bartimaeus threw aside his cloak. It also described him as a beggar. Why? Because he went to the side of the road that day as a blind beggar, but he got up and he wasn't blind and he wasn't begging no more because his eyes had been opened and now he had a means to go out and make himself a living. My Lord God. He went to the side of the road that day, lost as a blind beggar, but he walked home as a child of the king because he had an experience with Jesus no greater thing I could ever hear than somebody text me or call me and say pastor I led somebody to the Lord today that's great now listen let me go back to my life saver story for just a minute and then I'm going to give the altar call this woman's granddaughter lived in California we were in Louisiana So she obviously wasn't going to be a faithful attender of our church, right? That's just a little too far to drive every week. But it didn't stop us from celebrating. Why? Because we were growing the kingdom. If we are so focused on growing Southern Hills Church of God, then we have an empire mentality and not a kingdom mentality. This is not about growing the empire. This is about growing the kingdom. Here's what I want to ask you today. How many of you in this house would say, Pastor? Now again, you're not being honest with me. You're being honest with God. This is not between me and you. This is between you and God. How many of you would say, Pastor? I see that I need to do a better job of talking to others about Jesus. How many of you would be that honest this morning? To the point that you would step out of your seat and join me in this altar. I'll be the first one to step down here. Well, you're the preacher. That don't matter. Because I'm smart enough to know that there's been times in my life that I've missed the moment. While you're contemplating, let me share one quick story with you. This man was at his house one day and he was working outside and this man drives up on a motorcycle.